Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. With me is one of our few two-time guests, Michelle Seiler-Tucker. She is the recognized authority on buying, selling, fixing, and growing businesses. She's been on Inc. She's been on Forbes. She's been in, in Fox Business News, CNBC, everywhere else. And we're here today to talk about her new book, Exit Rich, which she co-wrote with Sharon Lecter of Rich Dad, Poor Dad fame. Michelle, thanks so much for coming back. Thank you so much for having me, Seth. It's a pleasure. It's good to see you again. It's been it a while. Is, it has. It has been a while. We were just talking about that before the show started. Let's go back in time a little bit. So what prompted you to write another book? So what prompted me to write another book is I've been in this industry for 20 years. I've sold over 500 businesses personally. My company has sold over 1,000 businesses. And one thing I started really noticing as time went on, I wrote my first book in 2013, Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth. But I started noticing as time went on that more businesses are closing. More businesses are going out of business. You drive past, you know, empty storefronts every single day. A business will be there one day, tomorrow it's gone. So I'm like, what's going on? What's happening? I need to write another book. So I started doing my research. And back when I wrote my first book in 2013, Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth, the research showed that 85 to 95% of all startups will go out of business, Right. That's pretty much common knowledge. You know that. We all yes. know that. However, when I started writing Exit Rich and started researching what's going on with these companies, I learned that the business landscape has flip-flopped, completely flip-flopped. Now it's only 30% of startups will go out of business. Only 30% of those startups, one to five years. But listen to this. This is mind-boggling. Out of 27.6 million companies... Those businesses have been in business for 10 years or longer, 70% of those businesses are at risk for going out of business, 70%. Now, let's put this in perspective. You hear about the, pub, the public companies all the time, right? Toys R Us closed down, Kmart, Steinmart, Pier 1, Montgomery Ward. I mean, JCPenney's. You can't turn on the TV without hearing about another public company. But Seth, what they're not talking about in the media are all the small private businesses on every street corner in every town and every street across our great nation. And these businesses, unfortunately, are dropping like flies. So they're at much further greater risk than startups. The problem is they're being forced to sell for pennies on the dollar, close their doors, or even worse, file bankruptcy. And when they file bankruptcy, guess what happens? 
they don't just lose their business assets, they lose their family assets too, because most business owners commingle assets piercing the corporate veil. So that's what inspired me to write Exit Rich, because as Steve Forbes says, who, by the way, endorsed Exit Rich, eight out of 10 businesses won't sell. And now with 70% going out of business, I mean, there's only 30.2 million businesses in U.S. employing over half the U.S. workforce. And by the way, these statistics are before COVID. If we lose 70% of the businesses, we lose small jobs, we lose more businesses, we lose spending power. Absolutely. So you just said a whole lot. Let's unpack a lot of that. So first of all, that's scary to th see most people. We've been all trained in the common knowledge of 80 to 90 percent go out of business in the first five years. And we think apparently erroneously that if we've made it past the first five years, we're good. And right. what you're saying is that not numbers now show it's even worse. Right. Businesses that make it past the first five years have greater odds of failure later once they've survived the initial five years. So I, I obviously we want everybody to go get the book. It's a phenomenal book. What are some of the factors besides COVID that are going into all of those businesses not making it? Yeah. So well, let's talk about that. And by the way, this is before COVID. So since COVID, you got 10,000 businesses going out of business in the next few weeks. 10,000 restaurants are going out of business. That was a report I just read. So the reason why these businesses are going out of business is because things have changed, but business owners haven't. Business owners that have been in business 10 years or longer stop doing one big thing called AIM. AIM, always innovate and market. They stop like innovating. They stop innovating. They stop marketing. They stop asking, asking their clients, what do you need? What do you want? How can I make it easier for you to do business with us? Because the consumer's buying habits have changed dramatically. And you can thank Amazon for that. You can thank Amazon for that because whoever makes it easiest for the client to do business with you is the company that's going to win. You know that you're in marketing is a company that's going to win. Amazon makes it so easy. You can practically buy anything you want and have it delivered in two days. So they have changed the consumer's buying habits on buying products. COVID has changed it even more because now we're not even going to the grocery stores anymore because we, because Amazon bought Whole Foods so we can order and Whole Foods will deliver to our door. Walmart and Target stepped up. They innovated, they created, they marketed, and now they have clubs where they'll deliver to your doors too. So this is going to hurt the small independent grocery stores. So the name of the game is innovation. You always got to innovate. You always got to pivot. You always got to ask those transformational questions. What business am I in? What do I do really, really well? What business should I be in? That's what Amazon did when they first started selling books, Seth. You know, when I first started selling books, they asked themselves, what business are we in? Oh, we're in the book selling business. What do we do really, really well? We do fulfillment really well. What business should we be in? Oh, we should be in a fulfillment business. Those three transformational questions is what took them from a small book selling company to multi-billion dollar worldwide conglomerate that they are today. Absolutely. Now you talk about a counterintuitive mindset. You talk about literally planning your exit to exit rich before you even start. Let's talk a little bit about that, especially for the business owners who've already started. Those are the folks who are listening and watching. So why do you say that it's never too late to start planning your exit? And how do we start thinking that way, even if we're not planning on selling? So the biggest mistake that business owners make is they don't think about selling their business. They don't plan for the sale of their largest asset until a catastrophic event occurs. So business owners come to me when there's health issues, when there's partner, partner disputes, when there's a divorce, when there's death, 
when there's COVID, <laughs> you know, and when all those catastrophic events occur, the business is typically going downward, trending down. The best time to sell the business is when it's on top and doing well. So that's why we say this is your largest asset. I mean, we plan for everything else in our life, right? We have children. We plan where they're going to go to uh, preschool, where they're going to go to elementary, middle school, high school, college, how many kids are going to give us. Right. Grandkids are going to give us. We plan our estate. We plan for our succession. We have a will, but we don't plan for the biggest asset in our in our life, which is our business. And you really have to plan from day one, because if you can build a sustainable, scalable business that's sellable, then you won't become one of the statistics of two, two out of um, eight out of 10 businesses not selling. Absolutely. I, th I think you're 100 percent on there. How do you step into a sell? You talk about step into the right mindset. You talk about selling at the peak or at least planning to sell when it's worth the, worth, worth the most. What are the different types of buyers? Just a couple of the different types of buyers of people who might be looking to acquire a business so we can sell successfully. So you just asked a lot of questions there. I so did. Let's Sorry about that. that. <laughs> so let's unpack that. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about the GPS exit model real quick. I know you read about this in Exit Rich, ST, GP, ST, Solid Tucker, GPS exit model. Here's what business owners have to start doing from day one of buying or starting a business, Seth. They have to plan their destination. When you want to drive somewhere, what do you do? You pull out your phone, you plug in your destination, right? Yes. You know where you're going. Do the it problem anyway. is most business owners have no idea where they're going. So they drive around aimlessly up and down the financial hills, really never getting anywhere. So you need to figure out your destination. You need to figure out your end game, your desired sales price. What do you want to sell your business for? So let's say you decide, oh, I want to sell my business for $15 million. Great. Now we have a plan. We have a destination. We have an end game. Now you need to know where you're starting from. What's your current location? What is your current valuation? What is your business worth right now? You'd be surprised, Seth, how many business owners never get an evaluation on their business. We get a health checkup once a year. We get our car checked up once a year, but we don't get an evaluation checkup on our business. And business evaluations can go up and down depending upon catastrophic events. I mean, like COVID. Industries that were dying before COVID are now thriving and their evaluations are high and vice versa. So you always need to know what your business is worth. So number one, destination. I want to sell for $15 million. Number two, let's say your business is worth $5 million right now. What do you now need to know? Time frame, right? So let's say you want to do it in seven years. All right. So now reverse engineer it. So we know we got $15 million or more $5 million, seven years. Who's our buyer is going to be? There's five different types of buyers. Let me tell you who your buyer is not going to be. It's not going to be a first-time buyer because they can't afford you. It won't be a turnaround specialist because they buy distressed assets. So it's going to be a private equity group who buys based upon platforms or add-ons, but your EBITDA has to be at least over a million dollars. It's going to be a strategic competitor or a, a, a um, sophisticated entrepreneur. That's who will buy you. But then you need to know, okay, to buy a $15 million business, where's my gross revenues need to be? Where's my profit margin need to be? Where does my EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization, where does that need to land? Okay. And then you need to know what are the characteristics? What are the synergies that buyers are willing to pay top dollar for? And then you build the business based upon that. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Now you said a whole lot there. Let's unpack some of that. We're just going to keep going back and forth. So you talked about different types of buyers would value your business differently or have it be more or less desirable. 
Can you go through those couple of different types of buyers that you mentioned and why they might view it differently? Okay, so a first time buyer, so a first time buyer is not gonna buy a $20 million company, right? Right, and what is a first, who would be a first time buyer of a business? Okay, very good question. So you, I, I love how you drill me down. <laughs> so a first time buyer is a buyer who's never owned a business before. A so this is like a baby boomer who was gonna retire and now needs something to do. This could be, this could be, no, this could be somebody who qu quits corporate America yep. and wants to buy a business. This could be somebody who's on unemployment, but maybe has some money saved in a retirement fund. And you can actually use your retirement fund, redirect it to purchase a business without paying any taxes or penalties. Um, this could be a baby boomer. Uh, this could be a parent buying a business for their child. You all know? right, we got, all right. Those are some great examples. Now, uh, what you talked about uh, private equity. You talked about turnaround specialist. So private equity groups. Uh, so I call them pegs. Are private equity groups? Private equity groups buy two ways. They buy based upon platforms and add-ons. So let's say a private equity group wants to get into food manufacturing, and they're not, currently not into food manufacturing. They won't even consider a business as a platform. A platform means that's going to be their main food manufacturing uh, business that they buy. They won't even consider it unless it's got at least $3 million in EBITDA. If you're under $3 million in EBITDA, they won't consider it. Now they also buy on add-on. So add-on means they're already in that space. They already have a food manufacturing company and they're looking for other uh, maybe seasoning companies or frozen food or whatever. Then they'll look at businesses that are under a million dollars in EBITDA for an add-on, okay? Strategics. Now, and they all have different criteria. So when you read the book, remember, they all have different criteria. Like pegs are not going to buy a business unless you have a management team in place. Unless you have the first P, which is people. We'll take you through the six P's in a minute. But they're not going to buy your company unless you function on the six P's. First-time buyers will because they don't really know anybody better. <laughs> but private equity groups, absolutely not. You better function on all six P's or they probably won't even buy you. Then the second type of buyer is competitors and strategics. So competitors, you know, you know what competitors are. Yes. Strategics, well, let's say I'm selling an, a, um, an AC heating company, and this is happening a lot lately, and an electrical company wants to buy them. A lot of electrical companies are buying up AC heating, they're buying up plumbing, they're having like a one-stop shop on, under one roof. So they would be a strategic, right? Because they're not a direct competitor. Strategists and competitors sometimes will pay the highest multiple because they're buying synergies. They're buying that talent, the, you know, the people that you have on your team. They're buying contracts. They're buying patents. They're buying trademarks. They're buying databases. They're buying something that will take and catapult their business to the next level. Also, strategists look at businesses and say, hmm, I already have this distribution in place. I already have this operation system in place. I can, I can double the EBITDA within one year by getting rid of some of their overhead. And they say we can take advantage of economy of scales, which will increase EBITDA right away, okay? So we always want to look at those buyers who are going to buy synergies and what that means to them. And then you have um, um, the, the sophisticated entrepreneur. Now, that's me. I own a lot of businesses in different industries. I don't just sell businesses. I buy businesses. I flip them. I partner with business owners, and I put them on a build-to-sell plan. So I'm in technology, medical, graphics. So these are businesses that, um, I mean, entrepreneurs that buy different types of businesses, they're not, they're industry agnostic, they're EBITDA specific. And then you got turnaround um, specialists that buys distressed assets and they typically buy them by using, uh, leveraging the assets in the company and then they sell it for a profit.
Got it. Okay. So you've given us a lot, but you teased me. Talk about the six P's. I teased you. <laughs> All right. So I, the biggest mistake, the other biggest mistake the business owners make other than not planning their exit is they actually don't build a business that anybody wants to buy. <laughs> so if you, if you, if you own a dental practice and you're the only dentist and you have a hygienist, what happens when I take you out of the practice? There is no business. Same thing with chiropractor, same thing with lawyers, same, I, the list goes on and on. Interior decorator, hair, hairstylist, all right? So number one, you don't build a business, you build people and people build the business. People is number one. You need to have the right people in the right seats and stuff. You have to ask the who question. Who opens the door? Who handles client service? Who handles legal issues? Who handles distribution, manufacturing, environmental issues, logistics? Who, who, who? The clue is you should never be next to the who. <laughs> so your name should never be next to who because you want to build a business that runs without you. Okay, so people's huge. Um, and then the next one is product. Product, product industry. Ask yourself, ask yourself, is your industry product on the way up or on the way out? Do you have an Amazon or do you have a Blockbuster? And if you have a Blockbuster, then you need to ask those transformational questions. What business are you in? What business should you be in? And really maybe get an outsider's perspective, a mentor, um, an advisor that can help you see things clearly because when you're in the fog, it's foggy, right? So you need to pivot. And there's lots of ways to pivot. You can pivot by acquiring another business right now with using the assets of that company and not spend anything out of pocket and have another product line like that. All there's right. all kinds of different things you can do. All right. Now, I don't want you to give away all six Ps because I want people to go get the book. But let's talk about, you talked about normalizing your financials. A lot of times, business owners, we don't need, we, financials are the last things we want to look at. What do you mean by normalize our financials? Okay. <laughs> this is a good one. And nobody asked me this one because nobody ever gets past the six Ps. So normalizing the financials. My first question to every business owner is how much are you making? And they always look at me like a deer in headlights. <laughs> or they'll give me an answer and they usually know their top line, but they never know their bottom line. And they're always wrong. That's because so many business owners run so many personal expenses through the business. And there's a lot of non-recurring that happens in a business. So normalizing your financials is getting the P&Ls and tax returns. I've been doing this for years. I've done thousands upon thousands of valuations. We normalize that and we add back non-business expenses. So any personal expenses that are not necessary to run that business and any non-reoccurring expenses. Examples of non-reoccurring, let's say um, you just were hit by a hurricane and you had to replace your roof. It cost you 50 grand. You don't do that every year, right? Or you moved your office. It cost you 100 grand. You don't do that every year. So those are non-reoccurring. So we want to normalize the financials so we can get to adjusted EBITDA. EBITDA is where we add back interest, depreciation, amortization, okay? Adjusted is where we add back those personal expenses and those non-reoccurring. All right. And then you talk a little, you talk about how we can actually get the right offer, negotiate, and bring that deal to fruition. You also have a lot of experience with business owners who didn't know what to do after the sale. <laughs> they got the check. There should almost be a, the next book is you got the check, now what? What about, talk a little bit about some of the mistakes you've seen business owners making who are actually got to the finish line and got the check. Yeah, so usually the mistake happens before we get the check, meaning that most sellers will not cross that finish line unless we figured out what they're going to do next. They won't follow through on their exit strategy until we figured out their beginning strategy. They won't, they'll, they'll sabotage. They won't sign LOIs even if it's at full term. 
they won't take it. I've had this happen again and again and again. We sold a manufacturing plant. I bought them three LOIs, three LOIs. They turned down every LOI. They had an excuse for everything. And I said to husband and wife, I said, listen, y'all have to get clear. Now I call this a seller sanity check. We actually talk about this in the book. When and how to, when to sell your business. And I said, you guys have to get crystal clear with what you're going to do next, because I'm going to get you to the closing table, but you're never going to close. So a week later, they called me and they said, Michelle, you know, we always were passionate about bed and breakfasts, but we never, you know, we forgot about what we we're passionate about because we're so busy working all the time. And they said, we're going to take the proceeds of the sale and we're either going to start one or buy one. So I ended up starting one in Vermont. And so I said, that's perfect. So guess what? The next LOI about them, they signed it. They went through with the closing. So usually we try, we, we try to avoid all of that upfront stuff because if we don't, we're never going to make it to the closing table. And we, we also try to mitigate their taxes because it's not what I get you, it's what you walk away with. So I have a team of experts. We have trusts that, that can um, help you know, with capital gains tax. We got tax strategies, different attorneys that we work with. We do all of this work upfront. You cannot do this work at the end. If somebody does this work at the end, it's too late. All right. Makes a ton of sense. You're, you're, you shared an immense amount of knowledge, and I know we're just barely scrap, scratching the surface. For our folks who are watching and listening, where is the best place for them to go get a copy of the book, Exit Rich? So they can go. So we're in the middle of pre-sales, and I know you went through this with Kevin Harrington and his book. And by the way, Sharon Lecter is my co-author who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad with Robert Kiyosaki. She's a five times um, New York best-selling author and several books in the Napoleon Hill Foundation. Plus, she's a financial literacy expert. And Forward was written by your one and only Kevin Harrington yes, and the book was. was endorsed by Steve Forbes. So they can go to ExitRichBook.com. Make sure they put the book, ExitRichBook.com. And we're actually selling the book less than Amazon for $24.79. They can um, receive the digital download immediately so they don't have to wait. After pub date, we will ship the hardcover to their doorstep. They get a lifetime membership into the book club. In my book club, Seth, I have video training of me doing deep dives and some of these different techniques and strategies. Plus, I have documents. You know, clients are like, Michelle, I've never seen an organizational chart. What does an employee handbook look like? What's what's an operations manual look like? What's All that SOP? stuff you're supposed to have is a real business. Yeah, what's an SOP? I know what's a copy. You know, I've never seen an LOI or purchase agreement or closing docs or due diligence checklist. It's all there. And it's not just there for your review. It's there for your download. Plus, I'll receive 30 days into my club, Club CEOs, where we do masterminds, hot seats, and Q&As. Awesome. I can't wait. Everybody go to ExitRichBook.com. This has been Seth Green with Michelle Seiler-Tucker. Michelle, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. We'll see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.